Some of you, you've heard it a lot, but you really don't know what it means. And for some of you, it's like, I don't even know what the heck he's talking about. And I just want to uh, encourage you with the reality that, the, that here's the promise of Jesus. When two or three people gather in his name, he's right there among them. And that's us. And so that means that God's present here by his Holy Spirit. Jesus is here walking through the place. And um, with all due respect to your perceptions, thoughts, and feelings, that reality is completely apart from your experience of it. So you might be sitting here this morning and having no sense of God's presence. I love you, but I don't care. Because God is here. And whether you feel it or not, he's working. He's, he's speaking to you right now. There's an invitation that God's extending to you right now. So I just encourage you, whatever state you feel like you're in right now, to continue to open your spirit to what God's doing because he's present here. And every time he's present, he speaks and he acts. Like Jesus never comes in as a wallflower to a congregation. He never just stands back and like, yeah, let's see what's going to go on. He's never insecure, right? He's perfectly secure in who he is. So right now, in our presence, he's here. And he's speaking. He's inviting. He's calling you. In some cases, he's convicting you. And he's acting. So that's a good thing, right? Amen. Just go ahead and just say amen. All right. Okay. Uh, now, before, I, I do have a message for this morning. I think something God's put on my heart to, to give out. But before that, I think there might be other things that, that God wants to say, and possibly through you. So, it's like the Lord said this morning, just open it up for a brief time of testimony. If, uh, in, in particular, here's where I'm headed this morning. We're headed together. I'm going to talk about cooperating with God. You've, you've heard me say a lot of times, and I stole it from another pastor, that in our lives as Christians, there's God's part and there's our part, right? We can't do his part, and he won't do our part. So what I'd like to hear this morning, if you've got any brief testimony of the way that you've cooperated with God in this last week, something where you saw God clearly moved doing his part, but in which you had a part by responding to his call, you did your part, God did his part, and the cooperation ended in praise to God. Does that kind of make a little bit of sense, maybe? Okay. So if anyone's got the boldness, I'm going to ask you to come right up front, speak into this powerful mic, um, and just share a testimony of how you cooperated with God. When, when I was in um, college, I was the uh, MC for a Christian group, and they put me in, in charge of the singing and sharing part. I wasn't so good at the singing part. I just kind of mouthed the words, lip sync. Um, but the sharing part, I always had to introduce. And so if you don't know the ABCs of sharing a testimony, it's be audible, be brief, and be Christ-centered. My personal favorite were the five Bs. Be brief, be brief baby, be brief. So uh, with that in mind, anybody want to come forward? Testimony of how you cooperated with God. Yes. Say your name in case I don't know it, Sarah. <laughs> just wanted to prove I did. <laughs> I'm Sarah Carpenter. Um, and just this morning, every time we sing this song, thanks for Clay for leading us in the one um, we're seeing about Jesus has conquered the grave. Um, starting about two years ago, I walked through a place of a lot of hopelessness and fear. And I had believed the lives of the enemy to stay in that because that was more comfortable than whatever hope and new life Christ was bringing. Um, so the cooperation part came when I started th 
what Nancy talked about last week, thanking God for the situation I was in, even though I hated it, even though it felt like death, because it was, and I was believing that part of it, um, that once I started thanking the Lord and cooperating with him, he, I could see where he was leading me to a place of new life and a place of new beginning. And the reason why I love the song that we sang is because Jesus did conquer the grave, and that was a actual, like, we can go back to the place where that cave was that he rose came out of but that also means that any place that we're experiencing death in our lives that jesus has already conquered that and it just um he's inviting us to say yes lord i claim that you have conquered this show me my way out of it because i don't want to be here anymore it is dark and stinky and that's it yeah great thank you thanks that's wonderful yeah Hi, I'm uh, I'm Farron. Uh, I've had an interesting week with uh, cooperating with God. Uh, he's been keeping me outside all week. <laughs> Even though I want to be inside in the air conditioning, but I just said, you know what, this is for you. Uh, it's not about me. But I had a chance to uh, visit uh, Bra Ripple. Um, if you ever known, um, heard of uh, the kids in Bra Ripple who are uh, homeless kids, we were actually uh, visiting them this uh this week and was able to just uh, talk to a young guy uh, who basically had um, has been been told many lies just saying uh, how he's not he's worthless and he's not uh, better than my he's not better than me and just uh, just saying that he can't pray because he's not worth these prayers and uh, it was nice to just minister to him to just let him know that he is worth uh, he's God loves him just as much as he loves me and uh, just a have them to be aware of lies that the enemy tells you about saying that you can't pray for someone else even if you're in this position but uh just just keep your head up and just be aware of these lies that the enemy will tell you but after the time that i spoke with him he heard another lie and i pointed that lie out to him that said you know that's another lie from the enemy and he just wants to keep you down with him and he was just like thank you i never thought about that and uh and I'm just aware now of just the lies that I've been told. You know, it's just saying that I'm not worthless because, you know, I'm homeless. And I said, don't ever think that because, you know, that's a lie because God loves you just as much as he loves anyone else. Mm-hmm. And just keep your, 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 your eyes up and your heart open and there's nothing that God can't do for you. You know, just believe. And that was a blessing for me this entire week. Thank you. That's great. Thanks, man. <laughs> but, um... I mean, just hearing fair and share, it's moving for me because I, I didn't ask if I could do this. Oh, well. But, I, but where, where Farron is sitting right now, I met Farron a few years back. He was sitting right there. And um, he, he came into this church distraught. I mean, distraught. And uh, we were just trying to be, a couple of us, just trying to be with Farron in, in just some issues in his life. And he was crying. And, and I remember in the middle of that, I'm thinking, I'm a pastor, I'm a pastor. I've got to do something here. Like, fix this, you know. So I say to him, do you know God? And Farron, he, I mean, I don't know if you remember this. You looked at me and said, no, I don't know God. I mean, like, what are you doing? I'm in trouble here, you know. And, um, and yet, uh, you know, our mission as a church is to encounter the love and power of God and then give it away to the world. And what happened in Farron's life, not through my question, <laughs> but through the love of many people and the power of the Holy Spirit, is he's, he encountered the love and power of God. And you know what he's doing? He's giving it away. He's given it away to homeless kids in Broad Ripple. He gives it away here in this church. He's given it away to his family, and that makes me really happy. Thanks. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. Judy. 
I'm Judy Gilbert. Um, for quite some time, I've been serving in a church, either here or somewhere else. And um, I've known that a lot of it has been for my to gain acceptance, gain relationship. And I got kind of angry about it not too long ago, a few year, years ago maybe, and just was like, if all people want from me is service, then I don't want them. And so I just began just being in that state, and then God's brought me here recently to um, going, then why are you doing it? And then stop. And I mean, I know it's God. Then stop. And so I did, and I just started stopping, and um, I felt a lot of guilt where it was like, I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it anymore. And um, he's just bring, bringing me to a place of liking myself and loving him more and loving people more so just this week you said just this week countless things day after day you got back from vacation and I said I don't have anything to do nothing to do and my week has been full of service to people and it's been so joyful and it's like just gaining who I am my identity and out of that I will serve but I'm not going to serve to get my identity I'm Margaret Matthews, and my hand went up fast. I'm usually, I wouldn't want to come up here and share, but this week is a special (laughs) week, and I will be brief, I promise. Um, This week, um, a bunch of us were downtown at um, Response Church at um, doing a VBS. Raise your hand if you were there. There's a bunch of us here. Yay! I love you people. Um, And it was awesome, and it was... um, I just think about when you hear, I was already crying a lot. <laughs> it's not my fault. Okay. <laughs> I um, usually get blamed for that. Um, so cooperating with, um, cooperating got all these people that you just saw their hands and, and other people that aren't here. Um, what I really felt were working alongside Jesus this week and touching the lives of these kids as these kids touched our lives too. And um, um, we just had the opportunity to be um, amazed by how God is working in these kids who are in such, such hard circumstances. So we're all, I know, really grateful that we could be there. And um, some, uh, there was one family in particular that um, is in a really hard situation. It would help if Nancy came up here and helped me. Nancy Paul, is, she doesn't want to come up here. But she is, um, she's really involved down at Response Church, and she's kind of our connection there. And we got to do this last year, too, so it's kind of like an uh, ongoing thing that we're doing. But she's really involved with... Um, uh, just working with the women at, at Response, which are mostly women who are living in a shelter um, right now. So it's changing women all the time, women who are going through hard things. But there's a particular family that we were working with, and there were some, a group of boys in the family that um, were really having a hard time and were really struggling and, then, um, and were very difficult to work with. But Morgan here, beautiful Morgan, she speaks Spanish fluently, and she was pouring into one of these boys. And she, her, she came out one day, and she was, she was just like, tears were flowing down her face because he just couldn't, he wasn't um, being able to deal with the situation, and she just loved him so much. And I really could see how she was pouring into his life and wanting so desperately to love him. Um, but this family is in desperate need um, because of the situation. Can you Can you clarify that? Yeah, so over about the past month, this family started coming to Response Church to, like, our kind of our community night, like what we do here. 
and um, they didn't, we don't speak Spanish. And so they would come and we would just try to love on them, but we just weren't feeling like we could make these connections really. And then we had someone who came. Um, they would come to like our VBS programs and any community things they would come or even Sunday nights. And then finally we had someone who could translate for us and we came to find out that <clears throat> part of why the kids were, were having a hard time connecting or smiling or just engaging was because their father, who was in um, Puerto Rico, he had sent them ahead and then was raising, like getting the rest of the money to come and join them. And meanwhile, he was tragically killed in a car accident. And so these kids are mourning and their mother is mourning. And so we, but they keep coming back to church and they keep coming back to the community nights and they keep just wanting to receive, you know, our smiles and our loves and our cooperation with God. And so um, over the last week at VBS, we were like, hey, let's just figure out, like, what would it actually cost to be able to send them home? Because they couldn't go home for the funeral. They, you know, their loved ones are there. They know nobody and they know barely any English here. And um, we did a little bit of research and found out, like, it's, it's actually not that much. And so um, that's one of the ways that came out of this VBS program of, the, of a way that we can cooperate with God with just raising the, the money to not only get the plane tickets, but also, um, I mean, the reason they're in the shelter is they have nothing. They have no clothing. They have absolutely nothing. So we want to bless them also with, like, a suitcase full of clothing and a plane ticket home to be with the people that they love. So that's what we're doing. If, if anyone's interested in giving towards that, you can see me um, – and that would just be an awesome way to continue to cooperate with what God is doing in the life of this family. Great. Yeah. Thanks, Nancy. Thanks, Mark. If you, uh, come on, Preston. If you, if you feel moved uh, by God to be a part of that, then talk to Margaret or Nancy afterwards. Thanks for sharing, you guys. All right, uh, so yesterday... What's your name, Preston? I'm Preston. Um, yesterday, uh, we went to Kings Island, like Brian said, uh, and when we were hanging out in 252, ready to go, uh, I was getting like fairly drunk in the spirit. Uh, so I, I knew that I had something to give away uh, on the Kings Island trip, because I don't want to be around all that people and not prophesy. It wouldn't be any fun. Uh, but... Uh, so me, Tony Barnes, and Anne-Marie Foley were waiting in line for one of the rides, and uh, Holy Spirit kind of put one of the kids on my heart, uh, like, hey, you can go for that guy. Prophesy over him, pray for him, whatever. Uh, so I gave, I gave him a word, Tony gave him a word, Anne-Marie gave him a word, and it was like reading his mail, like uh, all about his life situation. Then we hit his mom and the family that was with them, like things like you were abused by your husband and uh, financially you're not doing so well, like really, really detailed things God was showing us. Um, So we just kept loving on him and giving him all the things from God's heart. And uh, we would say, bless you, thanks, and then go back to waiting in line. Then they'd come up and say, hey, what should I do about this situation? What should I do about that? And we would keep just pouring into him. And uh, Holy Spirit was just moving really thick. Uh, And they eventually came over and one of the guys came up he was like i'm just so confused i just i i feel like i really need jesus i don't know what to do we didn't say a word about salvation we didn't mention anything about that but it's like when the power of god is there people flock to jesus we don't even need to say his name they run to love so he ended up uh i got to lead him to christ he got saved waiting for the italian job at king's island 
That's great, Preston. That's great. Praise God. It's about three messages of explanation I need to give in association with this testimony, but I won't do it now. Questions about drunk in the spirit, what it means to prophesy or hit someone with something, just ask me afterwards. <laughs> Believe me, it's all good. Okay. Yeah, just to expound on that a little bit, like standing in line and just, um, it's just like God to see like a father's family and then like kids who have gifts and be like, I'm going to rain love on that like fatherless family, you know what I mean? And so like that was just, I was just thinking about that as driving to church today, and I was just, God, you're like, that is who you are, you know? And so, Lord, we just thank you uh, that you're the host of any family that uh, invites you in by faith, and uh, that you can break down abuses with your love, Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Thanks. Yeah. Okay. One more. She came to the front, so Jessica. <laughs> Thanks, Tony. Hi, Jessica. Um, I just, my heart is so touched. I've um, never volunteered with the youth students, and yesterday was my first time. I have younger kids, and I got to, the honor to go to Kings Island with these kids. And God is putting something in my heart. These kids are amazing, and my mom's in town, and I haven't been able to stop talking about just the presence in these, these guys. They're going to change the world. And um, I'm just so excited and honored to be a part of it. I saw Ravi today. I'm like, sign me up. I am, I am ready to help these guys. So God's doing something. I'm excited. Great. Thanks, Jessica. <laughs> well, you can have any of those sermons you like. Take those home. Those are good. <laughs> That's great. Thank you um, for those of you who shared. It's your willingness to do that. Let's, uh, let's pray for a minute. I'm so thankful, God, um, as a pastor, I'm so thankful that uh, the world's not dependent on my message because you're moving and working in the lives of so many people in this body. I thank you for the message that you delivered through these three testimonies, through the message that you're speaking by your spirit, through worship, with, by your presence here. So we thank, we thank you first and foremost, Lord, for the, the gift of knowing you, Jesus, for what you've done to make a way for us to the Father. I just pray that in these next few minutes as we look to the scriptures that you would, uh, by your Holy Spirit, bring life to those, Lord. Open them up to us and us to them. And uh, speak the words that you want to speak this morning. Lord, specifically with the theme of the message, more than me speaking, I ask that uh, you'd give grace to each here to actually ask the questions that the scripture brings and to listen and to cooperate with you in the answering of those questions and a life of faithfulness to you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Um, if you have a Bible, you can open to 1 Corinthians 9. I'm going to um, look at just four verses there, 1 Corinthians 9, for, uh, 24 to 27. Um, just to give you a little context for 1 Corinthians 9, because sometimes it's hard when we look at the Bible, we just sort of, jump in, you know, and there we are, and uh, all sorts of things are happening before that scripture, and we pull it out and decide what it means. And so I think it's always important that we look at the context of a scripture before we just jump into it. God can speak in many ways, but it's, it's what happened in the Bible that's for our learning in God was set in a context, and the more we understand that, the better we understand how it applies to our context. So First Corinthians 9, very briefly, is um, the Apostle Paul 
It's uh, one chosen by God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, that is, to the non-Jews. He spoke to both, but he's really the apostle to the Gentiles. He gave it to the Gentiles and uh, the, the good news. And so um, Paul, in this, the beginning of 1 Corinthians 9, it's kind of like he's feeling a little defensive. It's interesting, if you read through the first 23 verses, he's defending himself as an apostle. And he's talking about how uh, he has the right to one to receive his living from giving the gospel. And um, he, he, he puts out his right to be a human like other humans, even though he's been called by God to this great task. Uh, it's interesting because as he goes through all the rights that he has as a person before God and as an apostle, then in the middle of the chapter, he says, by the way, many of those rights I'd put away. Many of those rights I, choose, I chose to say no to, to abstain from. Because here was the big point for Paul, and we don't get it in the verse that I'm going to talk about, but it's important. First um, Corinthians 9, I think it's back in 14 or something. He says this, all of these things, giving up these rights, recognizing this reality, all of this is for this reason. I don't want to make a hindrance to the gospel in your life. Paul's primary job was to communicate the good news of Christ to the world. And this is what he said. Here's what my life is about. What I'm able to do, what I choose to do and not to do is this. I want to proclaim the gospel. I want the message of the kingdom of God relationship with God as a possibility, as fulfillment and eternal life, I want that to ooze out of every pore of my life. And so when he looks at his own life, his rights, his wants, his desires, he communicates this. I don't want anything to hinder the gospel. I don't want anything to get in the way of this good news going through my life to be good news to others. Like Farron, the good news in him becoming good news to others. So this is what Paul's uh, talking about in 1 Corinthians 9. It's just an interesting thing. You see him on the defense, you know, like clearly people were attacking him in some way. Like, who do you think you are? And here he was walking around with the call from God. Anybody ever feel a little bit attacked for who you are in God? You know, people like sort of a who do you think you are? You, you're in the workplace and you say something about God and you kind of get this holier than thou thing, you know. There, there's a part of... Uh, being the good news to the world, sometimes the world doesn't want good news. <laughs> sometimes they'd be rather stay in their bad news. That's a different message, I suppose. Paul's desire is that all he does, who he is, how he acts and lives is for this purpose. The gospel goes forward. The good news. So he trains himself in order to be the, uh, a vessel that would allow the good news to go through him. So that's how we get to this passage in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. The whole first 23 verses are really about Paul. Like, I did this and I know this and don't you realize this and all of this. And then in in 24, he turns. And it's like now that he's defended himself, he's kind of set the record straight. He gives an exhortation to the Corinthians. He, as he's been thinking about his life, he basically says to the Corinthians, now would you consider your life? Is there something in your life that's hindering the gospel? Have you grabbed hold of that for which God has grabbed hold of you? What will it look like to organize your life around faithfulness to God and his call on you? That's really the push, I think, in uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. 
So it's a big intro here. <laughs> but I want to give you one other piece. Uh, as a pastor, I feel like I wear a lot of hats. You know, sometimes I'm a leader guy. Sometimes I'm a listener. Sometimes I'm a shepherd. Sometimes I'm a teacher. Um, this morning, and I've said to this to you before, this, this morning, I think my major role is priest. And, and this is how I view the job of a priest. A priest talks to God on behalf of people. And a priest talks to people on behalf of God. So that's really what I want to do this morning. It's kind of like I want to do this. I want to say, hey, God, here's your people. Hey, people, here's your God. And I want the two of you to get together because there's not a lot of teaching principle type stuff in what I'm going to say in the next 10 minutes or 20 or 50. I'm going to pose questions that I think the scripture brings up and I'm going to say, you know what? This is a great question. You should really talk to God about this. Because God loves it when the deep questions of our heart come because he gets to speak to them. So that, that's, the, that's the goal this morning. Is that, and I'd encourage you to take out the pen and the seat, get something to write on, and write down the questions. Just write down the questions. And let the questions of this passage be the content of your walk with God, your journey with Jesus this next week. That's, I dare you, okay? I dare you to do that. Maybe we'll have a testimony time next week. But don't do it for the testimony. Okay. All right. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Let's read it. This is the word of God. Paul says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win. It's a direct exhortation. Run in such a way that you may win. Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Is there more? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air, but I discipline my body and make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. I mean, the, the, the big picture here is Paul saying, you know, all that stuff I said before this, I really want to do it. I don't want to just talk about the gospel. I want to live the gospel. I don't want to just say all the truths. I want the truths to transform me. I want to be the person on the outside that I claim to be with my words. Paul's saying, I want to live a life of integrity. What I say and what I do, they're supposed to be the same thing. There's a... Oh, Jim, can you help me with some South African thing? I'm in a group of pastors, and they talk about this. The message, the, the message and the messenger need to be one and the same. Is that right? Does I kind of get it? The, the, isn't that what we desire for our lives? That the message that we bring and the messenger, what we carry it in, is the same. I mean, that, that in itself is a goal for life, that we would walk in integrity. And there's such peace in it. If you've been in that spot where you just realize, man, I'm living it. I'm doing it. You realize, oh, there's peace. And when you're not, you realize what? Not condemnation, not guilt, not shame. No, conviction. Conviction is the Holy Spirit's work in you just saying, a tad off here. A tad off here. Recalibrate, redirect. Live in line with what you say and know is true. So 1 Corinthians 9, 24. 
I'm just going to go verse by verse, and I'm going to ask the questions. I'll make some comments, but mainly I want to ask the questions. So Paul says in 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? You know Paul's talking about the games in the Colosseum. You know he's talking about all these people in, in, in Corinth had seen runners. They'd seen competitions, like we've seen football and track and all that in the Olympic Games. They've seen it. So the image is this. You know, everybody runs, but just in this instance, one wins. One gets the ultimate prize. Here's the question that comes up from that for me, that you take to God. What's the prize? Have you ever gone to the Lord and just said, God, what's the prize? To Judy's point, why am I doing all of this? What is, what is this all about? What's the goal of my life? What am I really looking for? What is the prize for you? You know, you have to get in, t- in touch with some sort of pretty deep uh, desires and emotions to ask and then answer that question before the Lord with integrity. What am I going after? Is it the right thing? What's the prize? For Paul, I'll just make a a, a couple of suggestions. For Paul, I don't think the prize was how many souls he's going to win, how many books he's going to write, how many statues of him in various cities, you know, uh, his speaking tour. No, status acclaim was really not a big deal for Paul. He was a human. He spent 23 chapters defending himself, kind of like us. But the goal wasn't that all would like him. The goal was, I think, one particular thing. Faithfulness to the call of God on his life. I don't want to say necessarily that the prize is the same for everyone. In the big picture, the prize is the same. Faithfulness to God. That's what we're going after. The reward of faithfulness is intimacy with God. Nothing more valuable than that. But the way we get there is very different. Every single person in this room, there's about a hundred of us, has a different call of God on their lives. So faithfulness for us looks different, right? Faithfulness for me looks different than faithfulness for Nancy. Praise God because she's in college and I don't want to go back. (laughs) Faithfulness looks different. So what's the prize you're after? Do you know the call of God on your life? For the now. I'm not saying you've got to have it figured out for the next 80 years. Do you know the call of God on your life? If you don't know the call of God on your life, what constitutes faithfulness? <laughs> How can you go after it? I think the call can change. It can, it can mold. It can mutate. The call of God on my life from when I first came to Christ at 16 years old to now at 40 some years old, 47, I'm not ashamed. It's changed a little bit, but the deep core really hasn't. There's a call of God on each and one and every one of us. Will you go to God this week and say, God, I want to know your call on my life. Because the prize for me, the finish line, is faithfulness to that. What's your prize? What's the call of God look like for you? The general call and the specific call of God. If you don't know what you're running for, how are you going to find it? You know, there's the comment or the sort of, maybe you see it on posters or something. If you aim at nothing, you're guaranteed to hit it every time. There's got to be some goal in your life. Not to sort of measure yourself by, are you good enough? But something that you're going after. One of my kids is training for a marathon right now. Why? I have no idea. (laughs) 
But it's a goal. And that goal has significant impact on their lives. Day after day after day, I see it. Because they know what they're going after. And it has huge impact. And you know what? That desire, that desire moves discipline. That's just the truth you ought to run away with. Desire is what moves discipline. We look for discipline in our lives in whatever area, physical, emotional, spiritual, however the thing is. But what really moves discipline is desire. That's why I'm saying go down deep. God, what's the call that you have on my life? How am I going to live in accordance with the truest part of who I've been made to be? And that takes some honest soul searching. You've got to go down deep. What's the prize? Still in 24, he says, run in such a way that you may win. Here's my question to you. What does it mean to win for you? We, we're in this big race, right? Faithfulness to, call, to, to the to call of God on our lives. But we have different races. We're not running all the same race. What it means to win for Bruce is different than for me. It, we're, we're going, we, we've got different things God's called us to do. What does it mean for you to win? And what does it mean for you to run the life in a way that you may win? In other words, what will it take for you to organize your life around faithfulness to the call of God on your life? Does that question make sense? That's a hard one because you know what's going to happen? You're going to answer that question and you're going to say, oh, bleep. I'm not doing it. Don't let condemnation come. Thank God that he's shown you that you get a chance to recalibrate. I know what the goal is. And now I know what it looks like to run in such a way that I may win. The race you're running is not against other people. It's not who can be more spiritual in your family or in your church or in your community. It's not that. Your race is not against other people. And I would go, I would venture to say your race is not even against yourself. I mean, some of us, you know, you want to, if you're training athletic, you Athletically, you want to get your personal best, right? You want to get better and better and better. It's all fine. But the journey of following Jesus isn't a race against others or even or even against ourselves. There's only one enemy in the Christian life. I don't like to talk about him much, but he's out there. Satan, the devil. His desire, because he sees the destiny for which you're made as a child of God. He sees it. He knows your potential. He's not omniscient, but he's been around long enough to say, Molly, oh my gosh, she's a serious threat to the kingdom of evil. When she grabs a hold of her destiny, oh my gosh, all heaven's going to break loose. And so the enemy comes against us. The enemy comes hard. And what's his goal? Distract, dissuade, push away, tempt, hinder. Anything to keep us from that one prize, that goal faithfulness to the call of God on our lives. Overwork, working for the wrong reason, laziness, pick your thing. God will show you. It's just one enemy. Now, there's a, there's a sub-thought here, and that is we're not against each other, we're not against ourselves. There is an enemy, but we don't focus on the enemy, right? I mean, we focus on the prize. Anybody seen my favorite movie? You don't know what it is, do you? Chariots of Fire. Do this, okay? Okay, if you've never seen it, another one of your jobs this week, your duties, is to watch Chariots of Fire's powerful film, 1924, Eric Little, Olympic Games. 
Just an amazing movie, in my humble opinion. There's a part in Chariots of Fire where um, sort of the other guy in the movie, Harold Abrams, is, um, has just run a race, and he's driven. He's driven to succeed for acceptance, whereas Eric Little uh, succeeds from acceptance. Okay? Again, another message I'll have to give at some point. But Harold has just run a race, and he's lost, and he doesn't know how to handle it. Because in this scene, he's never lost before. And so he's talking to his girlfriend in the stands, and he says, I, I couldn't find the clip, but here it is, and I won't do the British accent or anything. <laughs> he, he says this, I, went, uh, I lost. And she, and she turns to him and says, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. Today you happen to take a beating. And he gets angry, and he says, I don't run to take beatings. I run to win. Someone's, Josh has got, we're in sync, Josh. I run to win. And then he says this. He says, if I can't win, I won't run. And the, the Holy Spirit, in the form of his girlfriend, says, if you won't run, you can't win. Here's her point. Don't focus on the fact that you lost. Focus on the goal of faithfulness. You know why he lost? This is what he says. I turned and looked to the other guy. He said, I turned. It's a classic mistake. You never do it. He lost the race because instead of looking at the prize, he looked at the enemy. He looked at the competitor. Don't let yourself get distracted by the enemy by engaging the enemy. John Wimber, founder of the Vineyard Movement, said it well. He said, we defeat the enemy by doing the works of the kingdom. We've got to deal with them sometimes. Sometimes we've got to say, enemy, get the heck out of here. We have authority like that. There's good reason for that. But we don't focus our lives on the enemy. We focus our lives on the king who has the prize, eternal life, intimacy with the father. That's what we're going after. That's what it means to run in a way that you may win, focused on the prize. Jesus himself, the author and perfecter of our faith. 1 Corinthians 9.25 Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Question number something, I can't remember. What does self-control look like for you? Don't let the enemy come right in this minute and just show you all the places in your life where you've lacked it. I don't care about that right now. What does self-control look like for you? If you're honest with God for a moment and say, God, show me where... where where self-control needs to be empowered in my life. He'll speak to you. And the words that he brings won't be condemning words. They'll be uh, loving, affirming, believing words in you. What does self-control look like for you? Write it down. Take it to the Lord. Lord, where, do I, where have, I, have I missed the boat in terms of self-control? What does it look like for me? Where is it needed? In line with this prize, this goal, of your call of my life and my desire to be faithful. What does self-control look like? Paul says, you know, the, the runners in the games, they get a prize. It's a perishable wreath. In that day, it was, it was interestingly enough, either laurel, uh, like a little crown of laurel, that's a bush, or celery. <laughs> Maybe not as stylish, <laughs> you know. The point is it perished. In the sun of Indiana, it would perish in about 10 seconds, right? Witness my garden. 
they've got a perishable wreath. For just a moment, they got to stand there with celery on their head and say, I did it, I'm the winner, you know. But we run for a different type of prize, not a perishable wreath. You just fill in the blank what perishable wreath looks like. Status, acclaim, accomplishment, everyone liking me. Some of us are proud when everybody hates us. I mean, different stuff we go after. The point is, all that stuff dies in the end. It goes away. It perishes. But the imperishable wreath is for us at least two things. It's intimacy with God on the journey of life. And it's eternity with God when it's over. Man, that's good. I mean, that's really good. (laughs) That's the deal of the century to get a prize like that. That's what we're going after. The beauty of it is God's given it to us. It's a gift. It's funny. We run for it. We work. We discipline ourselves. All the time, the gift of God is ours. It's a strange thing to understand. You know, it's like the gospel. Completely free, and it demands everything from you. My mind blows up. But that's the reality of of life in Christ. It's a gift from God. It's free. We can't earn it and we can't lose it. And at the same time, the demand of Jesus is give me everything. You want all that God has to give. All he asks in exchange is everything that he's given you. That's all. It's pretty easy. No, it's simple. It's simple. It's not easy. That's the journey of life. The perishable and the imperishable wreath. I wonder if you live with an understanding that right now counts forever. Right now counts forever. Now, for some of us, we're like, you know, we're the um, perfectionists. That's what I'm looking for. (laughs) Like me. Right now counts forever, and all of a sudden we'll just militate on every single second. Did I do it perfectly? Did I do it perfectly? No, I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things, every moment counts. So when you're taking a decision, when you're making an action, when you're considering something, how about a question that runs around in your soul like this? Would the person that I'm becoming do this? Would the person that I know God has called me to be in the depths of my being make this decision? Go down this road. And let that be like a gauge for you. Not a condemnation, but an invitation into living in tune with who God's called you to be. I think it's a good question. I mean, I made it up, so. Would the person that I'm becoming do this? Man, how would that change the way you go through your life? No matter what the area. And you just ask God at that point when God says, yes, you go at it with gusto. When he says no, Then you say, okay, I guess I'll live in in line with who I am and am becoming rather than who the enemy wants me to be. And it's one of those places like Judy talked about and Farron talked about where the lie gets broken by God in cooperation with us. Self-control is a gift of the Spirit. Okay? Fruit of the Spirit is Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, survey says, self-control. Self-control. So you can say whatever you want about self-control as a Christian, okay? But here's what you can't say. I don't have any. You can say, I haven't seen it in a while. 
You can say, I don't choose to use it. You can say, I struggle in that area. But you can't say, I don't have any. It's been given to you. 2 Timothy 1.7. This is the promise of God. If you're a believer, this is your reality. You've not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, of power, and of discipline. It's a gift. It's the spirit within you. Deep down in your spirit, you want to be like God. A couple levels up, not so much. That's why I'm saying you've got to go down deep when you ask these questions to God. What's the deepest thing that I really desire, Lord? The big prize. Faithfulness to your call on my life. Self-control, you have it. It's a gift. Ask the Lord. God, would you reveal self-control for me? That doesn't mean that when you're going, I mean, I don't know what your temptation is, all right? Food's just an easy one. When you're going to the fridge or you're going to the, let's go to the pantry and pick the Twinkies, all right? You're going to the Twinkies because no one can make a case that a Twinkie's good for you. <laughs> you're going to the Twinkies. You, you, this, it doesn't look like this. God, give me self-control. Please stop me. I'm opening the package. That's not self-control. Self-control is stopping before you open the door and saying, God, why I want a Twinkie, I don't know. There must be a deep longing in me. And I know it's not for what causes this to go on for eternity. The Twinkie, that is. No, there's something deep. Now, God, expose it. Would you let me know? What am I really looking for? I'm not looking for a Twinkie. I'm looking for something. That's where you invite God to give you the gift of self-control. And then even if you feel like the Twinkie, you just say, praise God, I'm saying no. And then if you're like me, you tell everyone about it. <laughs> My wife's a dietitian. I didn't eat the Twinkie. I mean, I have to jump up and I have to celebrate little things like that, right? It's okay to celebrate you didn't eat the Twinkie or whatever it is for you. Celebrate. There's power in that. You know, do you need affirmation? Yes, you do. Sometimes you've got to ask for it. I do that. I say, hey, Jane, here's how you can help me. Tell me how well I'm doing right now. Because inside, I'm hearing a whole different message. Don't be afraid to tell the people what you need, the people around you that love you. Affirm me, okay? Another message. We'll get to that one. Okay, I've got to move here. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.26. I wonder what that says. But discipline, I discipline my body and I make it my slave so that after I've preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified. Paul says this, I discipline my body and I make it my slave. So that after I... Did we miss something? Can you go backwards? Yeah, that's the one I want to do. Therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim. I box in such a way as not beating the air. You better ask God this question. Is there a place in my life where I run without aim? Am I mindlessly doing things in my life, maybe my whole life mindlessly, without the prize, the goal, faithfulness to the call of God on my life, without that in view? I'm looking at people right now, I won't point them out, but I'm looking at people right now who I know in these recent years have realigned their lives once they realize the call of God in their lives. Radical changes, job changes, income changes, relational changes, because they realize the big prize. I want to be faithful to God's call on me. And I'm running aimlessly. I'm just living out the scripts that everyone else in my life has written for me. How about we stop that? How about we walk out, not the roles that others want us to play, but the script that God has declared for us?
true identity in Christ. It'll cost a lot. Big deal. You get the eternal prize that never goes away. Fellowship with God and eternal life. What does it mean to run without aim for you? Talk to God about that. What does it mean to box the air? I'm just going to embarrass myself now, all right? But about once every three months, I do P90X for a day, all right? P90X is a workout thing, all right? I did it for a while. It was good. Eh, Not so much anymore. Yesterday, though, I went back, and I chose the easiest day. If you've ever done P90X, Saturdays is Ken Poe, okay? Different than Ken Nunn. He's an attorney. This is Ken Poe. (laughs) Ken Poe is basically this. It's 50 minutes of pretending to fight, all right? And actually, it feels good because he's telling you all these moves and you're feeling really good. You know, you feel like if someone came in the door, you could knock them flat. Here's the reality. You can't. You're beating the air. I mean, I have to recognize this, that when I finish a workout like that, you know, I think I've been jabbing and crossing and uppercutting, you know, all these pretend enemies. But guess what? There's nobody in the room. I've never been in a street fight, but my guess is it's a little different when someone's punching back. <laughs> so is there a way or a place in your life where you box as beating the air? Now, there's nothing wrong with kind of limbering up in your spiritual life, kind of getting ready. You know, sometimes you've got to go through the motions to understand. But if you've never taken your spiritual life out into the ring, you're just beating the air. And it's doing no good. So here, here's my point. Where are you taking risk right now that requires trust in God? What are you doing right now in your life that if God doesn't show up, you fail? I don't like this one, okay? But here's the fact. There's a surprising key to victory in life. And it's the word failure. You know, in, uh, I've said it before, when you're, when you're trying to build muscle... They say that when you're working out hard and you're looking for bulk and strength, um, the, the, the most powerful repetition with those weights is the one you can't do. It's the last one where you're getting all the way there and you know what's happening? Muscles are ripping. Pain is flowing. You know what? And then you fail. You can't do it. That's the one that makes you stronger for the next time. What are you doing right now in your life? But if God doesn't show up, it's utter failure. Have you failed in the last month, year? I mean, failed. might want to slice this one out of the CD because I don't know if what I'm going to say is true. But I have a sense. Consider the possibility that if you're not failing, you're not really trusting God. I mean, if, if you're not out there in the place where you're failing, like tried it, it didn't work, then what you're really doing is living a life completely under your control, right? You know what to do. You know how to do it. You know it's going to work guaranteed. Um, Where's the trust? Where does God have to show up? Is it possible that in some of our lives, God's been gone for a long time and we just haven't noticed yet? I'm just going to ask you to stop. Wait, God, is there some place where I'm just beating the air? I feel so good about myself because I'm going through the motions, but the enemy's not getting any licks. I'm not doing any damage to his kingdom. I'm not building any muscle because I'm not failing. Why don't you stand up with me? We'll get ready for communion. This is what I'm asking you to do. It's not in obedience to me. You're free, okay? But I'm challenging you. 
Let these questions be the content, the subject of your walk with God this week. Just jot those questions down. If you want uh, notes from this message, i got a few. I'll send them to you by email. I'll post them on the website. They're on the website. You can listen to the messages and I'll post the questions there so you can see them. And you just take these to the Lord and let God speak. Don't be afraid to let God speak. When he speaks, it's always for your good. Not always for your immediate pleasure, but always for your good. And if you're here this morning and you've never encountered Jesus as your Savior, as the one who comes and and brings you into fellowship with God and promises eternal life to you, then there's one more question for you this morning. Have you entered the race? Have you registered for life with Jesus? Have you signed on? The registration fee, Jesus took care of it on the cross. His blood washed away your sin. His body was broken for you. Running the race will demand everything. I'll just be honest about it. But the prize you get is fellowship with the one who created you and eternal life, empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's the deal of the century. So if you're here this morning, you've never received Jesus into your life, you're not walking on that road, that race. Boy, he wants to change you today for your good. While we're taking communion, if that's you, I'd ask you to come up front and one of us here would love to talk or pray with you. Okay. So if you have given your life to following Christ, you're running that race, then this is your time to just take in the energy of Jesus again. His very presence in the, in the bread and in the wine or the juice given to you to sustain you, to build you, to strengthen those places where you failed, to empower you to run the race with endurance. So you just come down the diagonal aisles and take a bit of the bread, dip it in the wine or the juice. There's wine on the outside stations and juice on the inside. Just thank him for this presence filling you. When you're ready, please come forward. We are thankful, Lord, this morning. We're thankful that you've given us yourself. Jesus, you, you ran the race perfectly. You walked without sin. You gave your lives for us in the perfect expression of love. And in the perfect expression of power, you rose again from the dead. And then you released your Holy Spirit to be ours, to give us the energy, the power, the wisdom, the courage to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Jesus, you started this in us and you will complete this in us. I ask for grace this morning to cooperate with you in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. I told you one of my children's training for a marathon. Don't walk out this morning under the false assumption that you now have to run a marathon in the spiritual life. This particular child was nice nice enough to give me a little training regimen too, but the end of it was not 26 miles. He just gave me what I was able to do, a little, a little, a little. Ask the Lord for that. What's my training regimen? What's my goal right now? Maybe it's a short-term one. Maybe it's not a marathon. In your spiritual life, in, in your relationships, your emotional life, just dealing with your own mind, will, and emotions in your soul. The Lord will lay out the plan for you, and he'll meet you every day you show up 
to be faithful to it. We'll have a ministry team uh, come forward, and we would love to pray for you this morning. If you'd like prayer for these issues or anything related to your life, body, mind, spirit, we'll pray for you. Otherwise, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a great day.